Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coughlin, and you are listening to the Nest Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Nest Podcast. Today, we have another very special guest. She is a senior at MSU, a sister of the AOPI sorority, a mental health advocate, the former president of MSU Swim Club, and former president of the IHSA Equestrian Club. We have Kira Johnson. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy life. Oh, of course. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. And wait, okay, before we get into a little bit about yourself, how many jobs do you have right now? I have two currently. Okay. <laughs> two is a lot. Yeah. Along with yeah. school and your double major. Uh my major and minor. But yeah. Still. <laughs> and you're graduating early. Yes. So you're graduating May of twenty twenty four. Yeah. So, so technically okay. it's summer, but I do walk in May. So I celebrate oh. graduation in May. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. super cool. And was that your plan all along to graduate not really I just kind of got classes done I came in with a lot of credits from high school and then I met with my advisor and he was like oh you have this option if you want so I figured I have a lot of schooling ahead of me I can take a year early to graduate so oh wait so you graduate like your undergrad but with your major you have a lot more school yeah what I wanted what I want to go into I definitely have more school later on Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because how how much more? Oh, I don't even know. It totally depends. But going into a PhD program is a lot more schooling than a master's. And then after that, I have a lot of like teaching, research stuff, a lot of a lot of schooling and all that fun jazz ahead of me. Oh my god! So have you started applying? No, not yet. I am going to take a year off to work in the field and get some experience, and then I'll apply to schools next fall and then go to grad school. Oh, my gosh. So you go to grad school and then, okay, I might sound up. Grad school, is that the same as getting a PhD? Yeah. So for grad school, it includes getting masters and PhDs. Okay, because PhD is higher than a master's. Mm-hmm. So you have to get a master's and then get a PhD or does it all flow in? Some um schools give you your masters like in the same program as a PhD. Um and then some you just go straight PhD. Um the school I'm looking at in North Carolina actually um they you, they don't want you to have your master's. So they want undergraduate students going straight into the PhD program. So every school is different. Some okay, they yeah. want master's, some they don't. Some they're like, oh, you'll get both through this track. So it just depends. But And what's the school called in North Carolina? Um, It's University of North Carolina, Wilmington. It's okay. right on the beach. So right up my alley. <laughs> You're from... We're in California. Um, Orange County, San Clemente. So right between LA and San Diego in the middle. And so is it a city where you're San Clemente is. Is a city. Mm-hmm. Big population, but you're by the beach. Yeah. So is it like a beach city? Beach mm-hmm. town? Cute little beach town. I lived love there it. my whole life. Grew up, went to high school there. Yep. And then now home. in the mountains of Bozeman. Yep. 
Hopefully, North Carolina. Yes. Like, what is kind of drawing you to North Carolina? Um, They have a very good clinical psychology PhD program, and I'm interested in some of the research there. Um, But I just wanted to try something new. That's why I came to Montana. Very new environment, experience. Got to learn to ski, go hiking, camping. Um, But my heart is at the beach. But I did still want to try something new. So hopefully I get in. But um, the East Coast is completely different from the West Coast. And I've been over there a few times. Um, like north on the east coast and I have been to North Carolina before and I think it would just be such a cool experience. And so where do you go in North Carolina when you went there for um, vacation? Yeah I went to Charlotte so it's like okay. three hours from the beach my grandpa lives there so if oh, I went family. to yeah okay. if I went to school there I would have someone close by okay it should be That's super nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah I want to go to the Carolinas I feel like you just hear really good things about them yeah at least i have yeah (laughs) but no that's that's super cool Mm -hmm. and so with wait before you came here you didn't know how to ski i'm guessing no i snowboarded twice before on like fake snow (laughs) so (laughs) in california Mm -hmm. fakes like do you have like a ski like we do big bear it's oh yeah there's okay. not great skiing okay. but it's not terrible and but how far away is that from um where you are? two hours okay so you've been there like twice yeah okay and that's mm-hmm. um like a, a lake yeah okay because yeah. it's uh-huh. around big bear lake is up okay. there yeah and then some mountains i think there's there's a couple little ones but nothing like bridger or big sky yeah and so where do you ski, Bridger or Big Sky? Or I do Bridger mostly, okay. but when my dad visits, he treats me to Big Sky. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fun. And are doing, you're snowboarding then? Right? I'm you're actually skiing. skiing now. I okay. switched over to skiing. So you know how to do both? Though. Somewhat. Yeah, okay. I'm definitely better at skiing since I've done it the past two years. But if someone put me on a snowboard, I could hold my own. <laughs> yeah, I can snowboard. Yeah. Like me. I mean, I tried longboarding a little bit, but I stopped longboarding after I wiped out. <laughs> so fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If you longboard mm-hmm. and you surf, mm-hmm. that is so slick. Yeah. 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 Just talking about that before and because and you're a lifeguard. Wait, is that why you got into lifeguarding? Was, no, wait. Or the other way around, you got into surfing because of no, so I've been surfing my whole life. That's cool. Because um, my dad's a big surfer, so we're That's very cool. <laughs> we're big beach people. Um, my brother never got into surfing though, uh. but um, my brother and I started swimming at five years old competitively, and so I was I've always been a pretty strong swimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, growing up swimming, um, and then growing up at the beach that translates swimming skills to the beach. Um, and I think my dad put me on a surfboard when I was like three so I've I've had my experience surfing um and then I was actually working as a pool lifeguard and one of my co-workers said oh you should try out for state which is um the state of California lifeguards so I was like okay why not and I just I didn't even think about it I went to tryouts and got the interview and got hired and went through training there it was so what are the tryouts? I'm guessing because you said you work for the state. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's rigorous. Yeah. Um. So 
the tryouts were I don't remember how long it was, but you do a swim. Um it might be a 800 yards or so. Um and then you do a run swim run and they eliminate people based on like what place you get mm-hmm. and the time you get. Um but in my tryout, I was actually the first girl on the swim. And yes. so I was like, okay, I feel pretty good about this, but That's I awesome. I was not a strong runner, so and then my suit came untied in the tryout, so I'm oh, in the whoa. waves trying to tie my suit, but I made it up. It worked out fine. Oh, no. Wait, so the tryouts, are they actually at the beach? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think That's there were about 60 people at my tryouts. That's a lot um, of people. Yeah. Like, like 60 people trying out, and then they have, like, someone who's with them. But a mix of 16-year-olds to, I think we had, like, a... 35 40 year old um yeah all different backgrounds swimmers water polo players surfers um and the water was i think it was 58 degrees like a record temp it was so cold and everyone oh wore wetsuits and i was like nope and i wore a one-piece swimsuit and i froze oh. my butt off oh my god yeah. you're the only girl and you're, but you're showing them how to get it done. Yeah. Well, you know? there were more girls, but um, oh, okay. I think the majority were definitely guys. But there were some other girls, a couple girls my age that I knew from from swim as well. So it was fun. We went through that together. Yeah. Have that experience. Mm-hmm. Wow. That And was that like an all-day thing? No, it was um in the morning, maybe like two or so hours. And then this was actually my let's see, this was 2020. So I think I was going into my senior year of high school. Um, But this was when COVID started. So the day of my interview was the day that they shut down all the schools. So I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, But the training after I got hired was eight days, like 12 hour days um, full of like training physically in the water, learning how to make rescues, learning about ocean conditions, um, learning all the medical part of it. So there's a lot of medical knowledge I now have (laughs) from that job and definitely some experiences on the job that I've dealt with hands-on. But yeah, I would say it was definitely a cool experience. I unfortunately did have to quit because of an injury. I um, injured my foot, my right ankle, the first day of training, and I, like, was not even supposed to be walking on it, but I finished training, and I worked on it all summer, so it was, I didn't want to stop working, and I didn't want to be the rookie that got injured and didn't have to work, so I was like, I'll just push through, and then I have issues with my ankle now. Oh, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't, (sighs) I wouldn't take it back. I did have a great summer, but yeah. Talk about perseverance. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we were talking about your lifeguarding job before this, but, and I thought it was like almost reminded me of like undercover agents, spies, <laughs> uh-huh. because you're in your, what, what do you call them? Beach towers? Yeah, we're in the towers. In the towers, and then they get like a call, like, somebody's routing. Yeah, so okay. we'll, we'll look and we'll see. Um, we get like different warning signs, signals, and kind of have to predict. And the state uh, mantra was, if in doubt, go out. 
So if you see someone like, oh, there's a possibility that something they could start struggling, a rip could pop up immediately. Um, if they just don't look like a strong swimmer, then you would probably go out immediately. Um, some people are like, oh, thank you. Like I was starting to get really tired. Some people were pushing me away. Nope, I don't need your help. But that's when you have to really push it on them. But yeah, before we would make those rescues, we would call it in from the phones on our towers, um, call it up to our headquarters and yeah, go make the rescue or whatever needs to be done and then head back to the tower. Like that to me, like that seems like secret agents or something. Mm -hmm. I know, that's just the vibe I got. But yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And so like you said, what was your highest number of saves a day? Like your highest number? It was in the 30s or 40s, definitely. Yeah, oh my gosh. But I, it would have been more because um, we had a huge swell on the 4th of July, and that's oh. when everyone goes to the beach. Mm -hmm. um, when I was working San Onofre, which is a surfing beach, but with the swell and just predicting how many people would be there, um, state parks closed the parking lots for the beaches. So the only people that came down were very experienced surfers. I didn't have to worry much. Um, but I know every fourth, it's upwards of 50 rescues. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because of the big swells? Yeah, and just people drinking, so many kids at the beach, a lot of different factors. Oh, my gosh. And so every time you're on shift, how often do you think you'd have to make a rescue? It definitely depends on the day and depends on the beach. Um, if it's a surfing beach or a quieter beach, you could stay out of the water almost all day besides going on break and doing, um, like a workout, but, um, Wait, a workout. Yeah. So on our breaks, we would have to do a workout. So about 40 minutes. What? Yeah. Yeah. One day I had to do, um, this huge paddle. They didn't tell me what I was doing. They said, bring your board down to this tower. Um, and then I, I walked down, brought my board. I was like, all right, what am I doing? They're like, oh, you have to paddle around Seal Rock down to Tower One. It was a, it took me about 30, 40 minutes, something like that. And I was not prepared for it, but <laughs> oh. got to do what you got to do, I guess. So they don't prepare you, and it's like, bring your board. And then literally, when you say paddle, is it like the surf kind of paddle? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gosh. Yeah, so some days it was like that. They would just, like, surprise you with a workout, especially if there was no swell and you would be out of the water. Um, and that day was a race, and I didn't know it was a race until I finished. And they gave me my time, and they told me it was a race. And I was like, I was sitting talking to someone in the water. You're like, I thought I was going to socialize. Yeah, I thought it was no, a fun old thing. It was a competition. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, but... Yeah, there's been a couple of times I was on break, like going for a run, and I come back and the unit who was in my tower for my break, they're on like a huge rescue. I'm like, oh, I just, I was working out. Like, I didn't get that rescue. They did. So there's been a lot of different experiences. And so they call it a break, but that's just code word for, for, workout. for giving you a workout. Basically. And you have yep. no say over it. Yep. Oh my gosh. And are there at the California beaches, because I have never been to one of those, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have when I was little, but I don't remember. Mm -hmm. but is it like a sharky? Yeah. Really? Um, I think it was t summer of 2016. Um, there was a huge 
like great white shark population all along our beaches that um excuse me the beaches were closed and you could not go in the water because of how many shark attacks that were what um, well not really shark attacks but how many sharks were on the beach um so that was definitely crazy um i don't know the last time we had a shark attack it's it's not often at all um we did have one at a beach i then worked at but it was one of my coworkers her first year um she had to bring a person in who get got bit by a shark like her first year on the job so when i was started working that beach i'm like am i going to have to do this i have to be prepared but i didn't Oh my gosh. And how old were you when you started working as a I was before? 16. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, so scary. Yeah. I know. It was, so, yeah. Beaches are very sharky. Like, have you had an encounter? I have, but not when I was working. Um, it's just been when I've been surfing. Um, I've seen a fin and I've just gotten out of the water. But I think that was only like two or three times. Um, and they're, they're just curious animals. So they just kind of come up, they see surfers. It's, it is pretty rare because they think you're something else. They won't bite you out of, oh, this is a human. Like I want a little snack. They are just curious about what you are. So that's where the attacks come from, but it's, it's pretty rare to have them. Okay. So you're not like scared of them or, Mm -mm. or, um, rescuing deep into the water. You're not? No. Mm-mm. Gotcha. Are there sea urchins? I know that's so random. Yeah, there actually are. I've never seen one though, which what? is crazy. But like, we have them. Like, I don't. I wouldn't say a lot, but we have a pier in my city, and I'm pretty sure we have like sea urchins all at the bottom of the pier. And I've I still have never seen one, but I've I've heard people like step on them. I know that's horrible. Like, cause it's just a ball of spikes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And if you're just walking in the water, <laughs> yeah, you step on a sea urchin, and they can be poisonous too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the ones in California are. But... I don't think they are, but they still hurt regardless. Yeah, regardless, yeah. it's painful. We definitely have a lot more stingrays um, in the summers, so I've gotten stung by one, um, but it's fine. It it depends on if it's a baby or an adult, um, with how much it hurts. Mine didn't really hurt that bad. They, I think I was 14, so they took me into, like, um, the lifeguard headquarters, but it was at a different beach, so it wasn't the one I was going to work at. Um, and they just put my foot in hot water, and I just hung out there for a little bit, and my mom picked me up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a baby? Um, no. I think it was an adult. Oh, gosh. It wasn't as bad, but it... It really ranges on the pain. Like, when I was young, I saw um, a full-grown adult. He got stung by a stingray and was, like, screaming. So. Oh, gosh. Thankfully, mine was not like that. Yeah, you're just like, I just chilled out. Yeah. Put my foot Pretty mellow. So, did you step on it or did it, Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, you step on it and then their, like, tails kind of, like, come around. And get get the barb in your foot. That sounds the ocean is a great place, but it also can be a scary place. It's full of a lot of animals. Uh, a lot of animals that you never know what yeah. they could do. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they're just, the animals just chilling out, yeah. like a 
sea urchin. Mm-hmm. Then you step on it. Then it's not like they attacked you. It's literally like you just stepped on them. But yeah. It hurts. Yep. A lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing about your lifeguarding experience. I oh, think that's so interesting. Also, like, I know how to swim, but I'm not, like, one to be saving lives. <laughs> I'm one yeah. that, like, maybe if I get overconfident and then deep in the water, maybe I'd be the one. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why people like you are there. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's super cool. And an interesting summer job. Not yeah. an interesting summer job. Like, everyone's lifeguards, but yeah. you're, like, a beach lifeguard. Yeah, definitely an cool. eventful summer. I remember my first day, um, I had a guy, I think it was my second hour of working, and I had a guy walk up who split his head open. I was like, okay, I just went through training. Let me remember what to do. So eventually, like, I treat him. He was okay to just kind of walk away. Um, Like, my unit came down, like, C-spined him, cleared him. And then I literally take my gloves off, walk back up to the tower. A second guy comes up with his hut split open from the opposite side of the beach. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, is this whole summer going to be like this? Like, two medicals, like within five minutes of each other both split their heads open that's a it's a definitely a an experience that most 16 year olds do not have no when i was 16 yeah i was not saving lives and dealing with medical <laughs> stuff and how did they split their heads open um like hitting- one of them hit a rock the other one his board like hit him oh, hit like the fin on his board but oh god they both ended up being fine good that's yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, now let's get to the other side of your freaking hobbies, the equestrian kind yeah. of side. Yeah. Um, I'll start with my background a little bit. Yeah. I was totally a horse girl when I was young. <laughs> um, don't hold it against me, but I totally was. <laughs> I would get Christmas lesson or lessons as a Christmas gift um, a couple years. So I'd go get four lessons at any barn around me. Um, so I kind of grew up somewhat riding and then I worked at a barn in high school. So I did have that background. And then when I came here, I saw that they had a team and I was like, I've never shown before. This would be such a cool experience to be part of a team. Um, so I tried out spring of my freshman year. I made the team. There's two teams technically. Um, there's a Western team and English team. So they do compete in different kind of events. Um, but it's both equitation, so it's you're judged on how well you look and how well you ride the horse. Um, so very different than anything I've ever, any style I've ever ridden. Um, so I was on the team for a year and a half. My first semester of my sophomore year was when I was English captain. So I was in charge of getting the horse list for practices, um, talking with my coach, I was the leader at shows we would go to. We would travel to um, North Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Dakota. Yeah, represent. Where Dakota? Um, Fargo. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still a great city, but Bismarck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like being on the equestrian team is mainly categorized as showing and riding the horse. Yeah, so we okay. would have practices um, one to two times a week. 
Um, yeah, and then it would be different days for English versus Western. So my first semester, I was on both because um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so it was a super cool experience because I've always written English. So I got to ride Western and experience that. And then uh, our president ended up not coming back to school. So someone stepped in while I was English captain. And then she decided to not be on the team the following semester. So I took over as president. Um, and that was, I was so happy to do it because I love being in those leadership positions. And I had experience as president from SWIM. So it was a very fun thing for me to do. That's super cool. The ambition there. <laughs> and because you just did it because you like mm-hmm. horses and were fascinated yeah. with them. And then you do this in college. That's super yeah. cool. And then what's the difference between English and Western? So there's a lot of different, like, showing options and, like, styles. Like, Western encompasses rodeo events as well. Okay. Um, We wouldn't do rodeo events, but um, what we did specifically for IHSA, this is a nationwide thing, um, Western equitation. You can start with, like, walk trot, so very beginner level, and it goes up to reining patterns. Um, So... In a show, you would get a pattern, and you'd have to memorize it. And essentially, it could be like circle here, trot this diagonal, kind of just a riding pattern. And then for English, um, same thing. It's equitation, so judged on how you look on the horse, how well you ride the horse. Um, That you can do flat or jumping. So flat, it's kind of just riding in circles and you get told what to do. Like you can, the judge can say, drop your stirrups. So you would have to have no stirrups. Um, And they can say posting trot, sitting trot, different things. And then you can also go into the jumping classes. Um, So that's you're given a course, you memorize it, and then you go ride the course. Oh my god. Yeah, okay, there's honestly, a lot. It's a whole different world. <laughs> now talking to the lifeguarding bishop, I can understand that kind of talk. Mm-hmm. This stuff, I'm sorry, but I did it's not. It's like a different language. Yes, yeah. I did not really understand anything. Yep. But I'm like, slay, yep. horse, <laughs> trot, jump, yep. show, mm-hmm. and win. And win. And that's kind of the gist I got but yeah the people that understand that I'm sure very valuable information yeah yeah the very cool thing about this sport is you will always be learning no matter what you will never know everything there is to know so that is a cool aspect of it I love how it's such yeah I love how such different sides of hobbies Mm -hmm. like the beach to like kind of horse girl country mm-hmm. farmer vibes yeah and then now you come to the mountains and then i i just love all <laughs> the little atmospheres you yeah i have all my different personalities <laughs> that is so cool yeah and so okay now let's oh i see on here binge watch gilmore girl <laughs> oh Great yes show. i was actually just watching that today good good on the First season, still kind of more like the last episode when they break up. Hopefully, no spoilers, but whatever. Yeah, I, I think it's... I've watched Gilmore Girls like ten times over and over. But so you only know Dean, 
Yes. You don't know Jess? Is he the blonde-haired boy? No. Then no. Okay, we'll talk about it. If you're Team Jess or Team Dean. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's and a big talk, big oh, conversation. Really? Yeah. I, I low-key thought she was going to get, oh, like, start dating that one other Chilton guy with the blonde hair. Tristan. Yes. Yeah. That's because he's, like, obsessed with her. Yeah. Oh. Unpopular opinion. I could be Team Tristan. That's I could I be. <laughs> I hear you. I, that's what I was kind of mm-hmm. rooting for, but I do not know who this Jess is. Yeah. But interesting. I What season does he come in? Um, either two or three. Okay. Yeah. So, almost getting there. Once I have yeah. all my facts straight, I'll let you yes, please do. decide what team yeah. I'm on. I'm excited. I, I love the little yeah. love triangles. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, slave. Yeah. I know. I It's a very, like, comforting show. It is. I feel like it's 100%. being comforting, cozy yeah. show where you don't have to think too much. Mm-hmm. You just turn it on and it's, it's yeah, it's yeah. like a cozy show. Yeah. It gives me fall vibes. Oh, though, for sure. Show. I love it. it. It's a great show. But I still got to finish watching it and stuff, but... Great show. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I, too, am a fan. Yes. And so now that long but brief but long (laughs) introduction and a little spiel about kind of what you're all about. Okay. So now let's get into the reason why I honestly want to say we kind of clicked in the first place Mm -hmm. because when we first met, it was because of AO Pie. Yeah. We also got coffee. Yeah. And I remember you were talking about, um, like, the struggles with mental health. Yeah. And see, from there, I, like, knew I wanted to have you on the podcast. <laughs> from there, it's been a hot minute, though, but I wanted you to come on in December mm-hmm. during around the holidays, holiday stress, mental yeah. health, all that change. So I was saving <laughs> you for the end of the year though yeah but no because when we got coffee i remember yeah i'm like she's so cool (laughs) and she was so open yeah to like mental health Mm -hmm. and the struggles and to advocate for it Mm -hmm. so i was like she'd be the perfect (laughs) person to have on especially like around the holidays Mm -hmm. so yes again thank you for coming on but now so you have anxiety Bipolar and depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you mind defining what those exactly are? Yeah. So anxiety is very common. Um, it's excessive worry and fear about everyday situations. And there's different types. There's social anxiety. So that's um, having a lot of anxiousness in social settings and like talking with other people Um There's social phobias as well. That can be an extreme where you don't want to leave the house. And then there's general anxiety disorder, which most people who have an anxiety disorder do have. Um, That's the excessive fear and worry constantly. Um, And then there are panic disorders. um, So that's excessive panic attacks, which is very different from an anxiety attack in the severity. Um, So what would, if I can jump in, what would... You say it's the difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack. An anxiety attack 
doesn't last as long usually and it's not as intense physiologically. So with an anxiety attack, it could have a trigger. Um, it usually does have a trigger, like a stressor in life. Um, a common example for college students would be if they have a test and they're trying to cram for it and they get so overwhelmed that it takes a toll and their anxiety levels spike. Um, so in an anxiety attack, that can be kind of hyperventilating, um, not able to breathe very fast heart rate, um, kind of like brain fog almost. Um, but you can usually calm yourself down with the right coping skills. A panic attack, um, a lot more intense. It's a very, they're very severe when you have them. Um, I remember when I had my first panic attack, my dad took me to the ER because I thought I was having a heart attack because it was the same thing. It started in my jaw and my back and I was like, oh my gosh, like I think I'm going to have a heart attack. And we went to the ER and they were like, no, it's a panic attack. And I've had a few since then and I would not recommend it to anyone. They are pretty rough. Panic attacks, that's when you kind of lose all control of your body. Um, it, it feels like you're dying because of how severe the physiological response is. Um, it's a lot of chest pain and can't breathe. Um, some like crying, depending on the situation and the type. But um, I always get this weird experience where my hands go numb. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I feel paralyzed. So they're not fun. And there's definitely a big difference. So when people say like, I had a panic attack and it's over school, they probably didn't. It was probably an anxiety attack. Um, not undermining anxiety attacks. They're awful as well. But there definitely is a big difference. That is good to know because honestly, I thought panic attacks and anxiety attacks were low-key like the same. But thank you for differentiating yeah. that for everyone mm -hmm. and also to give you more credibility to all this stuff you are a psychology major yes and like we said about to get your phd and this is literally the world you've been studying yes. so yes. for a little <laughs> bit more credibility yes there, yeah no i mean the panic attacks i've had one like panic attack mm -hmm. like capital p panic attack. yeah <laughs> like, you, you get it yeah and yeah i was just numb yeah where it's like i didn't have control like mm -hmm. it feels like you're paralyzed yeah like i couldn't move my legs couldn't move my arms yeah like i could barely move my neck mm -hmm. like it just felt like you are paralyzed yeah i was like crying but i was like i can't like wipe off tears yeah like, you can't do anything just numb yeah and i know i was like what is happening because you've never like felt that way before yeah you like like what is happening yeah yeah but then it it ends up being ju just just <laughs> just a panic attack yeah not a heart attack yeah. so <laughs> but it does it's like when will i stop being numb when will mm -hmm. i be able to regain movement yeah i know i knew my legs were numb and i was like i cannot well felt like they were paralyzed yeah. and numb, where i had no control yeah. and they just were stiff and I was like, I cannot bend my legs. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can barely walk. I'm like hobbling. Yeah, yeah but not fun. And they yeah. can last a really long time too. Mm -hmm. I think the, like once I calmed down, it took me, I, I was like sitting with my friend's mom. 
because she was just talking to me. And so I will forever be grateful for that because I think the best thing for me and my anxiety is somebody just talking, not about like, not saying like, oh, are you all right? Like, what can I do to help? Honestly, when people ask me that when I'm in the middle of like an anxiety attack, Mm -hmm. most likely, I'm like, I can't even think about that because that gives me more anxiety. Yeah. So like. Makes you nervous. Yes. So for me, I would rather someone just talk about their day Mm -hmm. and I can just tune in whenever, but at least it's not like I have to think and, and I'm not being demanded information, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't have to think and respond to any information Yeah. where I just am like trying as little as possible to use my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no. Panic attacks. I know when I had one, like panic attack, mm-hmm. it was, it was so weird. Yeah, definitely do not recommend. That's yeah. when I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to go to therapy. Like, I need to see a doctor. Like, this is not normal. Yeah, for, you know, humans, but also for, like, I was, a freshman in high school. I think mm-hmm. so. Right when I. Um, went into my freshman year and I was like yeah this cannot like I do not ever want to feel like that again yeah like so I need to reach out for help because I can't do it alone yeah but that's where therapy medicine came in and yeah so happy they make that yeah but yeah so I hear you when you're saying the panic attack and then the difference of the anxiety attack so thank you for like clearing that up and clarifying yeah. that because honestly yeah i love the thought they were kind of saying yeah most people do <laughs> yeah and then so with now bipolar how would you define that so there's two types there's bipolar one and bipolar two um bipolar one is you have episodes of mania and depression um manic episodes are very extreme with that elevated mood um, you tend to be impulsive, so that can mean spending a lot of money. Um, another thing is, like, it's it can be hard to go to normal things, like go to work. Like, people tend to have issues keeping a steady job because when you're manic, you want to do things that make you feel good. Um, a lot of people feel invincible, so that's where um, some suicides can happen because people think, oh, I can fly. Let me jump off this bridge. And they have no intentions of wanting to die, but they're manic and they're just so elevated, they think they can do anything. Um, And then another characteristic of a manic episode is not sleeping. So that could be 24 hours of staying awake. That could be up to like three or four days of staying awake because they they just don't see any need to sleep. Um, And then, yeah, super intense. and then the depression is just very, very low states. Um, the cycle length can vary. Usually it's a couple weeks or months. Um, and they're still with medication can be a baseline where you kind of feel somewhat normal. And then bipolar 2 is what I have. Um, the low depression is the same. So very extreme feelings. Um, hard to get out of bed, hard to function. Um, very negative thoughts. That's where suicidal ideation comes in. And then the only difference is the instead of having manic episodes, it's called hypomanic. So you're not as elevated. Um, but you can still have those characteristics of 
Like, you can have some paranoia, same with manic episodes. Um, not really hallucinations or anything like that. That's more extreme with um, mania. And then you can still not sleep. That's another characteristic with hypomania. Um, it's just not as intense. It's easier to keep a job, kind of go about daily things. Um, but it's still, yeah, it's still different than feeling a normal baseline mood. For sure. It's, it's still like a form of bipolar. Yeah. It shouldn't be, even though it's less severe, the bipolar one is real. Yeah. Gotcha. And so you said like the sleep, like will not Mm -hmm. like sleep, doesn't find the need to sleep. So is that like, okay, what was the work hard called when you can't sleep? Is that like, is it insomnia? Yes. Insomnia. Yeah. Is that technically like, insomnia not necessarily insomnia is um it is a sleep disorder where you will be trying to sleep and you can't um and that's usually with falling asleep so it could take you hours to fall asleep um that's when someone would do a sleep study if they think it is they have that and then be diagnosed with insomnia and that can be like situational insomnia or it can be like chronic insomnia over years um but no with mania when you don't want to sleep it's your body is tired but your mind is telling it that it's not and you just really think there's so many things you need to do so many fun things so many impulsive things that it's like I don't need to sleep I can do these things so that's kind of the difference with insomnia you want to sleep and you can't interesting Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I've already learned so much. <laughs> I'm like, glad. <laughs> and we're just defining these. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, now would you be able to define depression for us? Yes. So depression, you need to have these symptoms multiple over the same period of time over two weeks. Um, depression can be situational. It can be chronic, and there's also a major depressive disorder, which is, I don't know the criteria exactly, but it, it's, I think it's over six months. So that's a little bit more of an extended time. Um, some symptoms include a depressed mood, loss of interest, pleasure in daily activities that you used to have pleasure in, um, some physiological things like weight loss or gain, um, some insomnia as well, um, agitation, irritation, um, being tired all the time, and then just some negative thoughts. Um, and then within that, there can be thoughts of suicide, some suicidal ideation. Um, so having depression and feeling depressed is a very different thing. Feeling depressed is very valid. It's still credible, but it does not mean that you have depression, which I feel like is um, not differentiated in our society a lot. People will just going to consider they have depression without a diagnosis, without feeling this, these things over at least two weeks. And situational depression is very real. It is not fun. It is an awful thing to experience, but that does not mean you have a chronic um, diagnosis of depression. I love, yes, that is a very great way of like differentiating, mm-hmm. differentiating. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't invalidate anyone's feelings, yeah. but it's just, you know, differentiating between a chronic depression, like, diagnosis yeah. and just 
being depressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so you have a diagnosis of all three of these things. So in high school, I had a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder and just some depression. Um, it definitely was MDD because I had very strong suicidal ideation, which I'll talk about when I go into my mental health story. Um, but then as I went to college my freshman year, I saw one of the school psychiatrists um, to change my meds because I was on an SSRI and so an antidepressant. And when you have bipolar, that can be a very bad medication for you. It just does not fit. No. The only way you can be on an SSRI if you have bipolar is with a mood stabilizer. Oh, and so you didn't have a mood stabilizer. No, I just had the SSRI because we were only targeting my feelings of depression and some anxiety. And then I went to college and my psychiatrist said, you have a lot of symptoms and characteristics of bipolar but I'm not going to diagnose you. We're going to treat your symptoms. And I think that was very good at the time because if I came to college immediately and got diagnosed with bipolar, I would flip out. I would not know what to do with myself. It's a very scary term. It's not as normalized. And when you think of bipolar, you think crazy. That's what most people tend to t- tend to think. Um, and then over the past two years, been treating my symptoms um, and I've been working with her a lot. And then this fall I got a formal diagnosis of bipolar too Mm -hmm. from the school yes one of the psychiatrists here um so if you have bipolar you can't be diagnosed with depression because encompassed in bipolar are those depressive episodes so technically I do not have a diagnosis of depression um but bipolar comes out usually in your late or your early 20s um like 19 to 25, I think, is the main age range where people get diagnosed with bipolar. So I definitely did have depression in high school. And just the way my brain works and the chemicals in it, it kind of morphed into bipolar, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for explaining that. And you honestly did a great job explaining all three of them. Good. I'm glad I could. Yes. And now, okay. So, during Mental Health Month, which was September, September, Mm -hmm. yes, September, um, you put out an Instagram post about just, like, spreading awareness and your story. Yeah. And I thought, when I saw that, I was like, like, my first thing was, wow, like, we need more people like you. (laughs) Because mental health is so stigmatized. It, It really is. And people don't know that other people are struggling with this, even their close friends. Honestly, I I wouldn't have known you struggled with all the mental health struggles that you do if Mm -hmm. you weren't open about it. And we wouldn't be having this conversation (laughs) if you weren't open about it. And so I really admired that. And you you got so much love on your Instagram Mm -hmm. post, everyone commenting. Um, And so I thought that was just amazing how people... Uh, gave the praise and the acknowledgement that yeah. it deserves. Um, so, and putting that out is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Like putting out your story on Instagram, like all your followers putting, or just like to the world, yeah. you know, it's a scary thing. Yeah. And it's vulnerable, takes a lot of courage. 
So what was like your approach to it? Like, were you scared or did you know this is something like you did want to do and you knew for a while you wanted to put this out for Mental Health Month? Um, so I actually had this post written in my notes on my phone for two years. And I started writing that because I knew that with everything I had struggled with and continued to struggle with, there had to be some good to come out of it because it's it's not fun to deal with any of this stuff for anyone. And I was like, what is the point of this? Like, why am I experiencing this? And I thought something good will come out of it. So I started writing that post in my notes um, two years ago. And I've slowly just kind of adjusted things, added things. And this August, I thought, I need to put my story out there because it it is an amazing story. And I know so many other people deal with this exact same thing. Um, So I had been posting some resources and some information on my Instagram stories about mental health, different disorders, some self-care stuff um, in the month of September, which is uh, World Suicide Prevention Month. And I just made the bold decision, I'm going to post my story on World Suicide Prevention Day, which was September 10th. So I read through my notes. I had not shared this with anyone, Um, not my best friend, not my boyfriend, not my parents. And I called my mom and I told her, I'm going to send you a screenshot. I'm going to share this on my Instagram. This is my decision. I want to put my story out there because good will come out of it. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote the post. I was terrified to post it. I regret, I almost didn't the day of, but I had just gone back from camping with my friends and, you know, guy friends, they're so straightforward and just tell you stuff. And I was in the car with them and I was like, I'm not going to do this. Like, what are people going to think of me? Will this affect jobs in the future? And they were like, who even cares? Like, just post it. And I was like, that's what I needed to post it. So I ended up posting it, sharing it. and. It was, like, astounding, the responses I got. I had people commenting, like, a ton of comments. Um, I had people texting me, people DMing me on Instagram. Um, And the post, um, if you've seen it, you'll see that the comments aren't, like, pity comments. And I didn't word the post in a way that I wanted pity back because that's not the goal of this post. I wanted to raise awareness and share that good things will come out of this, like no matter how hard your struggles are. Um, I got a lot of like amazing responses back, um, a lot of love and encouragement, and I didn't have any expectations for responses when I posted this. Um, I almost thought about turning comments off because I just didn't want pity responses, but a lot of the responses I got they said, I'm so happy you're here. And I was like, whoa, I was not expecting like that comment from people. That's not at all what I had in my head because I was, when I had this super strong suicidal ideation and I knew I did not want to live, I never would have thought someone would have told me that I want you to be here. I'm glad you're here. And so I don't have that suicidal ideation anymore. And I don't think I ever would have imagined I would have been here at this point and sharing my story and having this feedback. Um, But it was amazing. I had people texting me I haven't talked to in years. Um, I think the most amazing part was I had people I've never talked to DM me on Instagram and tell me I am going through the same thing or like I've been so depressed for years and this is what I needed to read. Like this literally helped me through today. So I was like, I'm so glad that my story could come out and help people 
Um, and I shared some resources because it's a very heavy topic to just, you're scrolling on Instagram, seeing all these reels, and then you see this post. And it could be a little bit of a jump scare. <laughs> and so I posted resources on my story after that. Um, and I was like, I'm here to talk. I can share more of my experiences, go in depth. But I wanted to create an inviting atmosphere to people for people to talk about whatever they were experiencing. Wow. Like, no, that post was, I like, it was the best kind of jump scare, though. Because, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Like, you're just scrolling. You're, I'm on the food. food oh, yeah. Food yeah. <laughs> it was, like, a jump scare in the best mm-hmm. way, though. But, no, I love how you also said you framed it and you told your story in a way and in a light that it wouldn't that wouldn't seem like you're asking for pity yeah because that was never your intention your intention was to just have good come out of it and and share it and let people know they're not alone Mm -hmm. which I think that's also a great point to highlight because yeah it could seem like was someone saying all that like oh do they just want me to be like oh I'm so sorry yeah something like that where that was not your intention so I like how you clarified that and then if you wouldn't mind would you read the the post of course because i think it was incredible and very moving yeah i can definitely do that um and where can i'll say it at the end too but where can people find you on instagram to read this and to go follow in life um so my instagram is kira johnson k-i-r-r-a-j and then it's a zero and then h-n-s-o-n um and i'm public so if you don't want to follow me totally fine you can just go look at this post it's just a picture of me standing and smiling <laughs> which there's a lot of but it's it's one on there just kind of scroll through yes exactly all right i will read this with september 10th being world suicide prevention day i've decided to put my story out there i've been dealing with mental health issues my whole life I've dealt with severe anxiety and panic attacks since a very young age and developed major depression early on as a teenager. Years were spent working with doctors, therapists, friends, and family. Nothing seemed to be helping me. By the time I was 16, I was barely living. Every day, the first thought I had when I woke up was one more day. Then you can be done. All I could think about was the relief I'd finally feel by ending my life. I had hit bottom so hard, I didn't think I could ever get out of it. I had plans to end my life, but decided to try one more time before giving up. I started seeing a new therapist and was able to truly tell her all I had been going through and specifically my plans to end my life. One specific moment was her asking, how have you come this far feeling like this? She had this whole conversation with me like, I have never had a client this depressed and still living without medication, without therapy, just on their own. (laughs) I remember that so specifically, um, and I there truly was no explanation except for having God watching over me. Um, that's where my faith comes in. Um, after that, I finally got some medication treatment along with continuous therapy, and I rose from rock bottom. It wasn't all perfect from there. I had a very rough experience with medication and new symptoms of bipolar, leaving me feeling defeated once again. During my senior year of high school and freshman year of college, I experienced the most defeating obstacles that broke me down repeatedly. Every night, I would avoid sleep, and I'd have the most horrific and gruesome dreams imaginable. I'd wake up from these dreams feeling sick, 
sometimes even having to run to the bathroom, feeling physically ill by what ungodly spirits have put into my mind. The past two years, I have been forced to reflect upon the struggles I have faced and overcome. The journey is still not over. In fact, it never may be. I recently received a new diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I have finally been able to understand why I feel the way I do, why I act the way I do, and what is the true me versus a disorder. There is no way I would still be here if it wasn't for the love of God. He had a plan for me and was determined to not let me fail. I am so grateful to have access to professional medical treatment and such amazing professionals by my side. To those who have stood by my side, thank you. I cannot express my gratitude and my love for you all. A specific thank you to my mom, dad, and brother, who carried me through the hardest times and never gave me anything less than their full support. My goal with this post is to share my story and use my social media platform for good. Do not be afraid to be genuine on social media. I've had this written in my notes for two years, and it is genuinely so terrifying to put this out there, but I hope my story will reach at least one person. And then I made a comment about how I put resources on my page, so it's not too overwhelming and triggering. Um, but I really do want to emphasize my support system. I have had an amazing support system, and I'm so lucky. Most, A lot of people cannot say they have that. So while my faith got me through a lot and God was watching over me this whole time, my parents were undoubtedly supporting me so much. Um, and I was hiding this for so long from them. Um, they knew I had anxiety attacks and they had seen panic attacks from me before, but I don't think they knew I was even thinking about wanting to end my life. That was not even on their radar. And I remember telling my mom specifically for the first time and she didn't, she almost didn't believe me at first because it was so shocking. Like I was known as the outgoing person, that bubbly person. Um, I remember one girl Snapchatted me after I made this post and she said, I was shocked. You were the most positive person I knew. Like I looked up to you in high school and I was like, you just really never know what people are going through. So my family and my friends and my boyfriend have just been so amazing with supporting me throughout this whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> wow, that's all I can say. Yeah. That, so obviously I did read it, but just you reading it out loud, it's like, you are so strong. Honestly. <laughs> Thank you. And that's very admirable. And just like, for, for a young adult, for someone your age to be so profound in that mm -hmm. wisdom and that knowledge and being able to do that and knowing that there is good and just having that knowledge that a lot of people it takes a lot it takes years for other people yeah. to come to that conclusion have that courage yeah and be open about their struggle so that's extremely admirable and thank like, you yeah and i know that post didn't just help me but as you said it helped everybody yeah. that had read that post and that follows you so honestly that that was just like there was like no words for that but we're glad you are here thank you and i'm thank so you. happy i got to meet you though because you are just you are such a joy and like <laughs> so for real and the fact that i like how you pointed out like people from high school would like snapchat you and she was like 
I would have never known you were like the yeah. most bubbliest, happiest, like joyous, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And but that's also something to be aware of too. It yeah. it happens to those who you think have have it all. Yeah, have you know a great family life? They have stable finances. They yeah. are just quote unquote happy. It's mm-hmm. like you never you never know because. The the more, in my experience, the more you have it, the more you want to suppress it and put on a mm-hmm. front that there's no possible way you could be anxious or you could be dealing with depression. Yeah. You want to put your best foot forward and you don't want anyone to, like, you want to do everything you can to make sure nobody suspects that you are struggling. And so it could be with the most happiest, positive person the one you think has it all yeah uh the career the school the friends the boyfriend Mm -hmm. this or that but it's like everyone is just still a human yes everyone is invincible yeah you know so just to bring awareness and draw people's attention to it doesn't matter who you are what you have this or that yeah everyone struggles with something yeah in their life most of the time multiple things multiple things but yeah those situational factors like that's a big thing to point out people think like you have to have the worst life ever to be depressed like no you can be the perfect 4.0 gpa student um be in a sorority you could have all of these things be a d1 athlete um fully paid for college anything like that no situational factors that would affect your mental health and yet you could think, okay, I'm going to commit suicide tomorrow. Like, you have no idea. And anyone, like, everyone who has depression needs to feel validated. You don't have to think, oh, I have such a great life. Like, why should I be depressed? Like, I can't feel depressed. No, because there's a physiological component of it. It's just the way your brain works and the chemicals in your brain. And there comes a lot of, like, of your cognition and the way you think. It all just affects your levels of depression or anxiety or anything like that. That is also so good to point out. Now, I I did have a question. Um, your faith. Mm-hmm. So, how has that like played a part in your healing journey? Like, I know you said, um, like God guided you a lot and really helped you a lot mm-hmm. in the healing process. Like, what what has been your like spiritual and faith journey yeah um so the biggest thing when I was feeling all these feelings of depression and suicidal ideation I was so angry I was like so angry with God stopped going to church everything not practicing my religion my faith at all because I was like why is this happening to me of all people like I I look for the good in things in life I feel that I try to give back to society when I can. Like, I was just like, why is this happening to me? So I was so angry. Um, And then fast forwarding a little bit, when I went into that therapy session with my therapist and she was saying, I don't know how you're still here. Um, I, it clicked. It was like a light bulb in my brain. I was like, oh my gosh, like this was literally God getting me through all of this. Because I look back and I'm like, there was something stopping me. 
because I had, I was feeling so low, but there was a reason I didn't go through with my plans. And I never knew what that reason was. Um, cause I was at such a low level that thinking about the people around me and how it would affect them, like I couldn't even comprehend it because I was so focused on, I need to end this. Um, so when that light bulb clicked, I was like, wow, like I didn't know it, but he did have this plan for me to keep, literally keep me alive throughout these years. Um, and so in my mind, I'm just like, that is so amazing. And I wish everyone could experience like that love from him. Um, yeah, but I just have been wanting to share my story and my, yeah, sharing my story with others. And I haven't really had opportunities to, because when I thought of it, I'm like, I want to share my mental health journey, my spiritual journey. Um, but I knew I could not stand up in front of people to say it. So that's where the post came in first. Um, and now this is a great experience because I know people are going to listen, but I don't have to stand up on a podium and talk to people on a stage or anything like that. So baby steps to get there. But I do think everyone needs to know that my religion played a huge part in this. And I hope that people who have doubted God, who question him at all, just I hope my story makes them think about it a little bit, um, whether they've experienced the same thing where they're just so angry um, and then they see, oh, maybe this was his plan because for me, good is coming out of this. I get to share my story from this. So, yeah, that's kind of my journey with it. it I have been a Christian my whole life, so it was very new and scary when I was so angry at God. I didn't know if that was even valid for me to feel that way, which it was because it was a very big thing in my life to be angry at. But great things have come out of it so far. <laughs> so still practicing religion. Um, I just am so thankful that I had God looking over me to literally keep me alive through all of that. Honestly. Yeah, and for people who maybe aren't religious or don't practice their faith it there's still so much good still there of course still so much light along the road um but yeah it i love how the faith kind of played mm -hmm. a huge part in your healing journey yeah but no matter whether you're faithful or not like every it will get better. Yes, it will get better. Will. Good things will come regardless. No, for sure. It will. Even if it doesn't feel like that. Yes. Even if all you see is darkness, mm -hmm. somewhere through that is going to even be a peak of light. Yeah. And that's all you need to, to crawl through. Yeah. That That's how I like to look at it. For sure. For um, sure. So you also talked about nightmares. And the dreams correlated with anxiety would be stressful dreams. Okay. Um, like you're stressed about taking a test and then you show up to school and it's like those dreams where you're naked and you show up to school because you're so anxious in real life that anxiety correlates to your dreams. That's an example, um, a silly one, but that is an example. Um, with depression and bipolar, the dreams vary. Nightmares is a very, very common symptom and characteristic of it. I started having my nightmares probably freshman year of high school. Um, and they weren't the nightmares where it's like a ghost pops out and you're like scared of it and you're running from the ghost. Like that's a pretty typical nightmare, something like that. Um, or like sad dreams where like maybe someone in your family dies. That's very 
different from dreams in depressive state in my opinion um i had a very severe level of intensity in my dreams um i won't go super in depth with it but they were very very like violent gory it wasn't just like some figure chasing me like a little horror movie like they were i couldn't even talk out loud saying some of them and like i would talk to my mom about these dreams and i'm like I can't even tell you what happened in my dream because of how severe it was. And most of those dreams, like I remember so well, like it is so specific in my brain. So, like I was watching a horror movie and it's in my head. So those dreams have really gotten better. Um, and I don't know if there's any research on if nightmares tend to happen more when you're manic or hypomanic or if you're in a depressive state um I never figured that out with myself I feel like they were very sporadic and whatever but yeah the dreams like to some extent when they're bad like they affect your day-to-day life like I would have a terrible dream wake up the next morning like nauseous like I've literally thrown up because of these dreams because of how awful they were and that affects you day to day because then all day I'm thinking about this dream and then I reflect and I'm like, would I do this in real life? What happened in the dream? And I had to kind of learn that, no, um, this is just a completely separate part. These dreams are not me. Like as Freud says, um, you're says, sorry. Freud. Freud. Yep. As Freud says. As Freud says Looking into your, he analyzes dreams. That's Freud, his psychoanalytic theory. Um, So to explain that a little bit, that's looking at your subconscious and your thoughts that you're not aware of and then how that plays out in your dreams. That's not necessarily true. That's, there's a lot of debate around that. That's why if you've ever taken a psychology class, people kind of laugh or like, there's a weird stigma around Freud just because of that. He's had a lot of crazy theories, but that is one of them. Um, definitely like stress, you'll see that in your dreams, but having those gory dreams, that didn't mean I was thinking about that naturally. And I would not think about that daily. It was just something chemicals. And like, for me, I believe that there's, um, a faith aspect in it. It's called spiritual warfare. Basically when it's any like, um, satanic, like, entity or something trying I know it sounds crazy I thought it sounded crazy at first too um yeah that's actually like is it research or something like it it is a real thing yeah satanic warfare and spiritual warfare yeah and it was crazy the first time my mom talked to me about it I was like there's no way like this is terrifying to think about of course I'm going to be scared from it yeah who wouldn't and yeah you were 16 or I was around like 14, 15 when these nightmares started even younger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that aspect of spiritual warfare. And I was like, I don't understand. Like I have faith in God. I'm saved. Why is this happening? So it's just a mix of those chemicals, that spiritual warfare. Um, and I honestly don't know why it's gotten better. I definitely think my medication has helped with that a lot because they're not as often. I used to have them almost every single night. And I don't even know how I lived like that. 
because I just think about those dreams all day long and I don't want to go to sleep because I don't want to have those dreams again. So I definitely think my medication has helped a lot with that, which has been very good. Yeah. And I, and I also feel like it's your faith journey. Like it definitely played a part. Yeah. Um, like God was watching over you again through that because yeah, spiritual warfare, satanic warfare or yeah, whatever you call it. Like, I think that's real. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. We don't have to get into all that. But <laughs> I, there could be a whole episode for that, but I yeah, think it's real, but I'm so happy they're getting better. Because yeah. Me too. I could, oh my gosh. I don't even want to imagine, yeah. you know, but oh my gosh. But no, I'm really glad they are better. Yeah. And yeah 14, 15. It's terrifying. Yeah. Like, you, what what's happening you know Mm -hmm. and also to make sense of like those horrible dreams and to reality yeah and even just making sense of reflecting and being like so why is it me why am i i the one that's struggling when you look around and you're like nobody else is really yeah struggling i do think there's something to be said for the the correlation and not correlation but trying to make sense mm-hmm. of why you struggle especially at a young age like dealing with mental health at a young yeah. age it's like yeah why me and and why now and yeah i'm, I'm still a kid mm-hmm. like, why do i have to to fight this battle now and it's not like you can get out of that battle yeah. you can't like go on a timeout it's, yep it's like, <laughs> that would be great <laughs> i know i'd be like okay Time out and let's not resume. Yeah. You know, but it's just making sense of it. And that can be hard mm-hmm. and scary, especially as a kid. Still. Yeah. And your brain's not fully developed. And it's just like, what was happening? Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And just you also trying to make sense of it where it's it's a really hard concept and yeah. mental health and and all the mental health disorders it's such a hard concept to grasp even if you are like a professional yeah and you're older and you have experience especially as a kid and you don't know it's like what exactly is this and when i started talking to like my doctor and therapist and they're like this is anxiety and once i had a word to it and once i was able to know what it was and research that Although I still have anxiety, yeah, it's made it a lot better because I actually mm-hmm. can make sense of it and make sense of the feelings and make sense of why this is happening and yeah, and like the motives. So, yeah, I I don't even know really where I was going with that, <laughs> but I think there's just something to be said for just having a label to put on yes. your feelings, and also to be said that it is hard as a human in general whatever age you are to make sense of why there's this kind of struggle versus like reality Mm -hmm. it's like yeah why me why this why you know all all this stuff but yeah so I just wanted to make note of all that yeah um and then I was also wondering your therapy what kind of Mm -hmm. therapy have you done or Mm -hmm. do you currently like talk therapy um group therapy like any whatever you want to share with us about that yeah um I've always done talk therapy with a few different um 
counselors, therapists, they're the same thing. So I'll use those words interchangeably. Um, but mainly I have done cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so that is looking at how your thoughts are affecting your behaviors. So if you're having a lot of distorted thinking and irrational thoughts, um, this is very good therapy for someone with like an eating disorder, say, if they hate how they look and they're telling themselves all of these negative things, like a lot of negative self-talk. Um, with cognitive behavioral therapy, you're targeting those thoughts, almost fixing them, turning them around, flipping them to make them positive and tricking your brain into not believing that. Because when you think all of these rational thoughts, you believe them 100%. So with this therapy, you flip that around, train your brain to start using positive self-talk, and then learning how your thoughts are impacting your behavior. So for me, I had those thoughts of, I'm worthless. No one cares about me. Like, I need to end this because I hate everything. I hate myself, everything. So that's where a lot of the therapy came in was switching around that talk because it if you think that you are going to believe it 100% it's going to come out in your behaviors um so that was a big thing with my therapy um and I'm currently looking for a counselor in Bozeman starting in January because there's different types of therapy for different disorders what you want to do um but if anyone wants to go try therapy I think cognitive behavioral therapy is very general it's mostly used with every counselor. Um, and it's a great way to target something like, yeah, like an eating disorder. Um, perfectionism is a big thing. Like if you um, put all of your success on academics and you hold yourself to a high standard and believe all these things, like that's a great kind of therapy to help with something like that. Um, so highly recommend. It's a very like safe, it's not intimidating um, because there's so many types of therapy. You don't know what you're looking for. So I definitely recommend CBT. Um, and then with bipolar disorder, there's some other um, ways to target it. I don't know how to navigate it. I know everything, like not everything, but I know a lot academically and textbook stuff about bipolar. But when you're experiencing this, it's completely different. I can't take what I've learned and apply it to myself. So that's where seeing a counselor comes in. So my goal is to learn some coping mechanisms, change that irrational thinking, maybe when I am in a depressive state and start having all that negative self-talk. Um, but yeah, just different coping mechanisms for how to deal with bipolar since it's also new and with different disorders different goals in life you can shift that with different counselors or just shift your what you want to do and target in therapy sure and so with the cognitive behavioral therapy is that just a form of talk therapy yes okay mm -hmm. so it's like how would it go like um you would talk about a specific like trauma or traumatic event and then you just kind of not diagnose it um like dive into it yeah you okay. there's different things different approaches like for past trauma you can look at like psychoanalytic theory um and there's different kinds of therapy that encompasses that and that'd be looking at like your subconscious from that trauma or a lot of therapies will look at your childhood um 
But CBT mostly targets stuff in the present um, and maybe somewhat of how past experiences affect you now, but it's not really focused on the past as much as other therapies may be um, that kind of dive into um, maybe why you are the way you are because of something in your childhood. So CBT is kind of focused the present and you do set goals and you work on those goals with the therapist. Okay, gotcha. That that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so have you tried any other forms of therapy or just the talk CBT? Just the talk CBT, but um, I'm not sure what all. I'm not looking for anything specific. I'm pretty open to types of talk therapy for bipolar. I mean, I've never gone to a group therapy session. I would love to experience something like that just for me and also to know what other people are experiencing because that's the biggest thing with mental health is you feel so isolated no matter what you're feeling, if you have a diagnosis, anything. And I think group therapy is a great place to realize you are not alone, like not in a bad way, but your experience is not as unique as you think it is. You're not the only one dealing with it. There's so many others in the same boat. And I think that's very, very comforting because then you don't have the loneliness and isolation on top of all these awful symptoms. For sure. And I know, I think here at MSU, I think they do have group therapy. Mm. I I think I did like a, one of the consult sessions just to look for a therapist Um, because I do EMDR Mm -hmm. and so that's the type that I really like to do and so I was like looking for that and just had a consultation with MSU just to see if they have any recommendations but they were talking about like group therapy that they have Mm -hmm. but that's all the times that I work but I thought that was very interesting and a cool resource to have even though group therapy even though I'm like open about like my mental health struggles still feel like that would be very scary oh for sure like you have to be vulnerable with a group of strangers yeah you know i mean i guess you don't have to say anything you don't Mm -hmm. want to say but it's still like scary nonetheless you know but yeah yeah, but i think i would want to give that a go sometime yeah but i just would have to work up a little bit more courage for sure yeah Yeah. and i'll just make a note for any msu students um there's a wellness counselor on campus paisley you can just call the health services and she does consults and if you're looking for someone a resource in bozeman that's not at the school she will take into consideration your goals if you want to do therapy your past history um any diagnosis also your financial situation and she finds a list of therapists for you so that's what I just did. So that's a helpful resource for any MSU students listening if they want to do that. And if you have questions, you can also reach out to me about that. For sure. And I, yeah, I think that's what I did because then I got a list. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's still like a very helpful resource. Yeah. Because um, I think the, the counselors here at MSU, they fill up super fast. Yeah. And you can yeah. do like 10 sessions, which mm-hmm. is really nice. So, yeah do 10 sessions like that's covered in like yeah so i think that's still obviously great but it is hard to get in yeah for sure which i'm glad people are trying to yeah yeah so it's a good thing too but also (laughs) like not a great thing yeah for you if you want to you know book a session yeah but that's okay 
Um, there are other therapists around. Yes. Okay, so with all that, are there things that you have done to help just, like, navigating um, through your mental health struggles? Like, coping mechanisms that you like, or just, like, yeah, anything you've done that to help navigate your struggles? Mm-hmm. The biggest tip I have for people experiencing anxiety, um, whether it's um, panic attacks or anxiety attacks, um, I found that taking a cold shower either before if you feel one coming on or if you don't catch it in time and you're in the middle of an attack, go take a cold shower because that grounds you and you feel your senses and it kind of like shocks your nervous system. So that's a helpful tip that some people might know, but... That's what helped me the most. Like breathing exercises can be great, but they weren't as effective for me as I would have hoped. So that's just a little trick. Um, Another big thing that kind of helped me also with my treatment was being so self-aware, which is not fun being this young, is I have to like set myself up for success by having that maturity and being so self-aware. So that includes... um, journaling, especially with bipolar, like it's hard for me to track my moods because if I'm in a high hypomanic mood, I'm not going to want to do this. I'm not, I'm not going to know it unless someone points it out to me or I'm not sleeping. That's the only way I'm going to know. So I also have an app on my phone. Um, there's a ton of self-help apps out there with mood regulation, um, depressive symptoms. I'm sure there's a lot with anxiety and some coping mechanisms on there. Um, but it's really just like catered to the individual on what you need um so you just really need to know there's resources around you and know what resources you need to use so I knew that I needed some medication like 100 percent I don't I would not feel normal without it and therapy is a big thing I'm using like one of these apps to regulate my mood um but the biggest thing is you have to put yourself first also Um, with anything mental health and just self-care in general, even without mental health. Um, I tend to overload my plate. I want to, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to say no. I like to do all these things, but at some point I had to make sacrifices and realize this is not helping. This is making everything worse. Like I have to say no to this. I can't take on this. I need to work less. I need to take less classes, which is a hard reality if you are an overachiever in any sense and you like to be busy um so you just kind of have to take a step back and that's also a step up for maturity is realizing your limits and when you need to prioritize yourself first especially for all the people pleasers out there that is the biggest thing you have to overcome with any struggles oh my gosh i'm nodding my head (laughs) i would say i i've gotten better but i was i still am but i was a huge, huge people pleaser. Yeah. Now in college, I've been really trying to not yeah. be a person pleaser, which is hard to. Oh, would, it's so hard. Yeah, I would go to this thing or do that. Yeah. Um. Also, I've like I don't know if you have this, but I have like huge FOMO. Like, ah, in yes, I've always had FOMO, especially with the sororities. Yeah. I get major FOMO. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I loved how you said maturity is realizing to self-reflect, to take a step back in order to, like, support yourself. Yeah. Yeah, no, with Nail Pie, why did you decide to 
join AOPI? Um, so my best friend goes to University of Tennessee. She's in 80 Pi there. And she's a total little sorority girl. And I was not. <laughs> People were kind of shocked when I said, I, I want to join a sorority. Um, so she would tell me all the stories and like amazing friends, like friendship she's made, how the girls are supportive of each other. And I was like, wow, like I really want that because I had such amazing girls in high school. Um, so many friends around me, amazing support system. When I came to college, I didn't have that. And the thing about this school, especially, and a lot of different ones, there's a lot of activities to do, but you find your group and you stick with them. It's very, very hard to make friends. Um, and a lot of people come from Montana here, so they have their friends from high school. So there's a lot of different situations where it's just hard to make friends. So, I mean, I was involved in two clubs, like full force, 100% head in. And I've made so many amazing friends from all of them, but I just never had that close group of girlfriends. And I love my guy friends so much. Like they are the world to me, but it's different having your girlfriends around you. And I didn't have that and I was really missing it. And so my best friend was like, what if you went through um, COB, which is continuous open bidding, since we had that. Um, so we talked over Christmas break of my sophomore year. And I was like, why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, it's free. I meet people. I get porn at one of the events. Like, I get free food. Of course, I'm going to go. Um, and I went and the first thing I did was corn on the cob and I was just sitting down talking to some girls and I actually was talking with my big who I love. So I think just getting to talk about everything with them and I really just saw how much they had, how much love they had for everyone in that house and in that chapter. And I was like, this, like, I need to put aside all my like thoughts about sororities and frats and Greek life in general. And I was like, I need to actually see that these girls love each other so much. And there's so many girls that that is so much support. And so I went to like one more event and I got a bid and I was like, yes, 100%. Like I want to do this. And I knew there would be some aspects that I'm like, okay, like I'm not a girly girl. Like I might not click with this group, this person. I might not want to do these events, whatever. But I really just gave it all a chance. And like, I have no doubts about joining. Like I've made so many amazing friends and I don't know the support system. Like I wish I was here another year. That was a big reason why I thought maybe I should not graduate because I just want to be involved with these girls. But that was a whole other decision in itself, but that was not as brief as I thought it would be. But that's my experience with joining AOPI. No, I love that because we were in the same COP. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think we met yeah. both through AOPI, but we were in the same like mm -hmm. COP class and we um, got initiated at the same yeah. time. But no, yeah, I always like hearing people's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we did get like a couple questions, if you wouldn't mind answering yeah. some of the questions. Okay, so for everyone listening, I put out a bio of the guest before we record, and I also put in the story a question box to ask the guest questions, and these questions are always anonymous, and so yeah, go to 
the Instagram, The Nest Podcast with Estella, and be on the lookout for the question box to ask questions, interact with the episode. And so the first question you got today was, what is a quote you live by that would be helpful for those who struggle with mental health? Yeah, so I'm not a quote girly at all. I do not live by any quotes, not in a negative way. I just never can remember them. Like, no matter how powerful they are, I can't remember them. That's so fair. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest thing I live by is just put yourself first, which is extremely hard because if you're not putting yourself first, all of your actions and behaviors are just not going to be as... I want to say positive as they could be, as impactful, that's a better word. Um, Like if you are in a leadership position in a club, at your school, anything, and you're not putting yourself first, you're draining yourself, mental health, you don't even consider your leadership position, you are not going to be successful. Like I hate to break it to you, but you have so much more potential if you put yourself first. So that's kind of an idea I would say I live by is putting yourself first and making sacrifices for yourself and your self-care. I love it. I think even though it wasn't a quote, I think you executed that question perfectly. <laughs> um. So the next question, the last question, keeping it short and sweet, what has given you the strength to keep going through with mental health struggles? Um, definitely first, my faith going to that. Um, second, I would say my support system. Um, I Once I got out of that suicidal ideation, I was able to see, like, I am impacting a lot of people around me. Like, I would not be able to push through the support system or push through without the support system I have. Like, they have literally pulled me from rock bottom. Like, All of my friends at home, like, they're so dear to my heart. I love them all. And my mom and my dad and my brother just have sacrificed so much for me. And now in college, my boyfriend, James, I met him my first month of college. We've been dating for two years now. So, yeah. 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 So he's been on this whole journey in college with me. And he is nothing but supportive. He's such an angel, even when I am not. So I have a lot of... um, people in my corner helping me push through like I can't do it all alone so them helping me and having a lot of faith in God and my religion and stuff I think those factors definitely have helped me through I love it also um when I first met James he was great yes so kind yes Jimmy John (laughs) yep no because yeah you had us over for formal yeah a little hangout before mm-hmm. um, our forum, and that's when I first got to officially meet him. But yeah, no, he's so, he's, he's amazing. so nice. Yes. So yeah, and so I think that concludes the episode. All right. Thank you to everyone at home or in the car, wherever you are. So yeah, that concludes the episode. Thank you everyone for taking the time out of your busy lives to listen, wherever you may be. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Spotify, rate of five stars, interact with the episodes, go follow the Instagram at the nest podcast with Estella and go make sure to follow Kira at Kira Johnson with a zero as the O on Instagram until next time.